0: Welcome back to The Last Post for issue of Saturday, March 2. This is not the voice of your usual host, Andrew Carey, but filling in for Andrew this week, it's me, Keen Reinhardt. You're listening to The Last Post podcast, bringing you this week's news in bite-sized portions. Remember, you can keep up to date with all Limerick news on Twitter, LinkedIn and Facebook at Post and the hashtag KeepingLimerickPosted and LimerickPost.ie. This week's podcast is brought to you in association with Denhe Motors, Dock Road Limerick. Our front page story this week is by Bernie English, who joins me in studio now. Thanks Thank you, Bernie. Bernie, plans to move families out of the housing list if they turn down two offers of homes have been described as heartless and cynical by a Limerick TD.
1: That's right. Uh, former Housing Minister, of course, Jan Sullivan, Labour TD, has slammed this plan. The idea is that if families are not going to take housing which is offered to them, they should be suspended from the housing list for five years, which is fairly... Um, stern thing to do when you think about families with small children, may have already been waiting six or seven years to get a house. And there are some good reasons for people turning down houses. If you have uh, extensive antisocial behaviour or crime in any particular area, if you're offered two houses on the same road beside very disruptive families, then obviously you're not going to want to bring your children up in that environment. So Jan is saying that this um, this is not the right way to tackle the housing list. And she feels it's a cynical move to get numbers down.
0: And does she think any action should be taken by government on the matter?
1: Well, she thinks certainly this this plan should not be implemented. And she said, uh, basically, build more houses. That's what we should be doing. Because we haven't reached reached the targets set for social housing by any leap of the imagination. And, of course, we have a homeless crisis.
0: And the full article for that story can be found on page one of this week's edition of the Limerick Post. And uh, Bernie, on page nine, a local election candidate has fears a university town could take away from the city.
1: Yes, uh, Brian Ledden, the, Green, Par- the Green, Green, Green Party candidate for City North, is worried that this plan for a new university town on the Clare side is actually going to drive a wedge between Limerick City Univers- Limerick University and Limerick City. And he says, with, with some conviction, that um, a city and a university need to develop together. And up to now, there have been very close coll- collaborations between industry and Limerick and UL. He fears that this is a premature plan and that it shouldn't go ahead in the location that th- has that been talked about. Um, it's part of the uh, draft regional plan, strategy plan for the southern region and he points out this is going to affect uh, Cork, Limerick, Waterford for the next 20, 20 to 40 years. So if this is approved now he feels that this is actually going to be quite divisive.
0: And uh, would this be out of the Limerick Council's hands in terms of planning or?
1: Completely yes because of course it would be happening in Clare um, and this is a major major development it's, it's 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 one of a kind in the country where we're going to have industry education and, res- and residential and commercial applications all in one place on the university campus itself.
0: Thanks very much Bernie and Thanks once again you. those stories can be found on page one and page nine of this week's Limerick Post. Joining me now to chat about the second story on page one and continued on page six is news editor Jerry Collison. Jerry, thank you for joining us. Not a bother, Ken. Uh, Jerry, Alan Jake's exclusive on a mystery over a cranberries poster.
2: Yeah, this is this is a good one. Um, you know, as it's sort of very succinctly put by Alan, uh, he puts it that a, a poster for a concert that never took place by a band that didn't exist at the time, was the centre of a Limerick music, music mystery this week. So once you decipher all of that, it gets down to the fact that um, Nicky Wolf of Wolfe Event Management, a well-known concert promoter and uh, DJ in Limerick, uh, he presented a poster to the mayor, James Collins, to mark the anniversary of the death of uh, Dolores O'Riordan last January now the authenticity of the poster uh, which was said by mr Wolfe to have been from one of O'Riordan's early gigs in limerick has been questioned so there's a, a local musician who contacted the post and said that the uh, cranberries were still called the cranberry sauce at that stage and dolores hadn't joined the band at that stage and in fact the uh gig itself which was at the speakeasy in o'connell street um, that gig at the same time there was another gig going on over in the oasis club in lord lintworth street and that's where the cranberry saws were appearing so uh we have a, a, an actual poster of that of that appearance in the oasis uh, alongside the poster of the cranberries appearing in the um in the speakeasy in o'connell street so all in all it was a fairly uh, a fairly good mystery mm-hmm. yeah.
0: What what did Nicky Wolf himself have to say about this?
2: Well, Nicky, who actually has a a very extensive and very interesting collection of music memorabilia over a long period, um, Nicky was was very apologetic about the the whole mix-up. At the time, he said he was promoting hundreds of gigs five nights a week at a speakeasy, and that this was just a simple uh, misunderstanding and uh, he, he said quite plainly that he, he may have given the wrong poster to the mayor, and he apologised for that. And he said he has the poster for the gig that took place in the speakeasy on that date, and he'll replace the uh, poster he gave to the mayor with this particular poster, which will hang, I suppose, in a place of honour in the mayor's office.
0: It's a one to keep an
2: eye on, I suppose, Jerry. Oh, absolutely. You know, it's 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 one of these ones that will... Um, that'll just be there and excite an awful lot of people who may have been around in the music scene at that particular time.
0: Going from one poster story to another with Alan Jakes, uh, the question of to poster or not to poster comes up on page 8 with a call for voluntary ban on election posters.
2: Yeah, that's something that's been going along. It's been bubbling under for a good while and it's getting more precedence now, I suppose, with the fact that there's local elections coming up in May. So this happened uh, at, at a council meeting um, last week in County Hall and it was um, Councillor Michael Collins Fianna Fáil from uh, West Limerick had been looking for a voluntary ban on election posters. Now he he had been told and the council had been told that it's not within the council's power actually to be able to implement such a law and that if there was going to be any sort of a restriction or anything like that it would have to be voluntary in nature. The discussion went on for something like uh, 80 or 90 minutes before uh, they eventually came around again to the very same answer that it would have to be a voluntary um, ban and that, uh, that the council still hadn't the power to be able to implement any other sort of a ban.
0: So what, what will be the next steps taken in this, would you say?
2: Well, I would say, given, the, given on what went on last Monday, it's uh, quite possible that, that the thing will go around again because we're talking about raising it at a full meeting of the council, which will mean instead of discussing it maybe for 90 minutes, they might be discussing it maybe for 180 minutes. And they'll still come to the same conclusion, that the council just hasn't the power to impose such a ban. And again there'll be a call for a voluntary ban, and that'll fall on some deaf ears because some of the councillors believe that the uh, posters fulfil a very, very good purpose, and particularly for first-time candidates who whose names and faces
0: mightn't be that recognisable to the electorate. And that story, as well as all the others, can be found in this week's edition of the Limerick Post, as well as on LimerickPost.ie. Thanks very much for joining me, Jerry. You're very welcome. Once again, this week's podcast is brought to you in association with Dennehy Motors, Dock Road, Limerick. And over to sport, where we're joined by John Keogh, journalist with Sporting Limerick. John, welcome to the show again. How are things going? Not too bad. You were expecting to see Andrew today. You don't look too happy to see my face here. i know, i know. <laughs> I'm never, never happy to see Andrew's face either.
3: <laughs> so, uh, looking at the GAA, the Cork boys came out on top over the weekend in hurling. They did, yeah. Uh, Two twenty-one to one twenty-one win over Limerick. Limerick's first defeat in a competitive game since. Monster Championship last summer to Clare interesting one we'll get onto in a few minutes about Clare but yeah it was a defeat um, John Kiley made eight changes from the team that had beaten Kilkenny and Kilkenny still a strong team Michael O'Brien from Dune making his debut look it's a defeat it's the league whereas as I've said over the last previous weeks that Limerick want to win every game I don't think they'll be losing too much league even though Cork dominated the game for a lot large periods Limerick were still within a puck of a ball of getting a result from that game so I mean then there's uh-huh. bigger challenges ahead for Limerick, I think.
0: And how did the game compare to what I believe was the game of the century last season in the semi-final?
3: Yeah, it was look, a close it, one again. It it ended up being a close, close one. Limerick were nine points down at once. stage. Cork got out, as Kieran Carey mentions in his column this week. Cork got out of the traps like a rocket. You know they flew into a lead. Uh, Limerick were a bit lethargic. You know Cork obviously pinpointed the opening, twenty or so minutes to give Limerick a real. Test, they did that, Limerick reacted to level, but Cork, Limerick never got ahead in the game, Cork managed to hold out, and fairly impressive win for Cork, it has to be said, you're coming in front of what, over 13,000 people, coming to the All-Ireland Champions, you haven't been great yourself during the campaign, you get your first win against Clare last weekend, or the weekend previous, you know, it was a good performance from Cork. Even from Limerick to come from nine points down is some effort, you know. It just shows the resolve Limerick have. it's a trademark of what they did last season at times. Like I said, this weekend now, I think, will be... Limerick... Revenge won't come into it, but Limerick will be looking to set down a marker. I don't think there's any question of that. And it's a terribly tough place to go. Clare and Ennis is not an easy place to go, and that's a, that's a given Anytime time you, you see Clare play and Ennis. They're a different animal at times. How do you think they're fixed? It's hard to know. It's hard. Look, there's so many subplots within a limerick Clare game in the first place. Take into it, it's the middle of National League. When you go from last season, they had an epic game in the quarter-final of the league at Gaelic Grounds that led to the uh, free-taking 65 competition that couldn't be separated after extra time. Clare got the better Limerick in the Munster Championship. Limerick went on to win All-Ireland. There is that feeling in Clare that Clare missed out in All-Ireland last year. They, they, like they, they could have beaten Galway in the semi-finals, were within the wit of a post of doing so. And they definitely would have fancied their chances against Limerick in the final. Going back to 2013, they trounced Limerick in the All Ireland semi final on the way to winning the All Ireland final. So, I mean, look, Clare have no fear of Limerick. That That's just fact, I think, at this stage. Whether Limerick have f- fear of anyone being All Ireland champions, I don't think so. But it's going to be an immensely difficult task to come out of Clare with anything.
0: And over in the Camogie, then, uh, the Kilkenny team, a bit of revenge on behalf of the. Kilkenny hurlers the week before the Camogie team went on top against Limerick.
3: Yeah, well, there's there's a bit of a swing there. Kilkenny are second to Cork, barely second to Cork in the last couple of years. I mean, mm-hmm. losing the 2017 All-Ireland final. Last puck of a ball. Cork won again last year. Look, they're the top two teams in the country. Limerick coming so close to Kilkenny, A, coming so close to beating them, is a huge, huge thing for Declan Nash's team. Huge progress being made this year. And the fact that they could show... That they were able for Kilkenny and challenged Kilkenny, and we were within a whisker of getting a very, very positive result. Shows where Limerick are at the moment. Their league campaign has ended. They'd already clinched a league semi final place before that game. You could argue the shackles were off. Very impressive performance from Limerick, though. Galway now on March 10th in the semi final. And uh, over to the ladies' football, the only
0: inter county Limerick team to go on top this weekend. They were at the word
3: weekend, yeah. The huge win. Got back to winning ways after a. Uh, I wouldn't say chastening defeat to Carlo but it hurt John Ryan, the ladies football manager um, losing to Car- Carlo at home out in Eskeaton, but then making the trip up north and no matter who you are going up north to play any team in anything it's a long trip there's lots of things that can go wrong in that alone before you even get near a field but they came out they led for most of the game against Fermanagh Fermanagh couldn't get back level Limerick came out with a 2 point win has to be a huge morale boost They've, what, three games played now, two wins, one loss, you know. They're going okay. He, he, they're, he, as John would say himself, there'll be improvements to be made. They're up again against, up north again this weekend, which is another tough trip up to Antrim, who is Jack Nettles riding this week. have scored two 10-28 so far in their game. So, I mean, a free-scoring Antrim team, look, it's another challenge up north, but positive win against Fermanagh. They, even last year, the
0: ladies junior football, All are in title, that's going to spur that. Team on as well,
3: yeah, the, no question. Like, I mean, they beat Loud again, they beat Loud in the final um, <laughs> last September. Loud was first up again this year, and just the way things get thrown together. And they Loud were better, and they'd admit, or John Ryan admitted after the game, that Limerick were kind of lucky to come away with a win. But winning mentality comes from success, as we know. And they have that, that's why they were disappointed with the performance against Carlos so much. And Trump again is another test, like, you know, it's. Their main aim this year, outside of what happens in the All Ireland Intermediate, having won the Junior last year, is to get out of Div- Division Four League. It's a huge, huge thing for this team. to It's it's more success they want, and getting out of Division Four would be a success this year. And uh, the the Limerick Gaelic footballers then. Yeah, footballer. Unlucky. Yeah, very unlucky. I was out in out in Kilimanac last Saturday afternoon for the Leitrim game. Look, Limerick played a lovely football. Leitrim had a, were very impressive in their league campaign so far, and it literally happened. Two or three minutes into injury time. Size level at 11 points apiece. Limerick coughed up possession under on 65 Gary Plunkett, the Leitrim substitute, came up and scored a wonder point after Limerick coughed up possession. And that was it. You know, There was no time to get back into it. But B- Billy Lee after the game, an emotional Billy, Billy Lee, it has to be said, <coughs> was full of praise for his players. Limerick missed, a, missed at least four goal chances in this game. He was full of praise for his players, said, but was very disappointed with... With those missed chances, which would have comfortably seen Limerick to victory, and they were scorable ones too. It wasn't as if they were shooting from 30, 40 yards for yeah. a goal. They were inside the 14, a few of them. One very clear cut chance that the Legion keeper made a fine save for him, but it should have been a goal. Immensely proud of his player's performance. He said after the game, arguably their best performance since he took charge, and he's in his third year over the team. So there's no question. Paranahan, former Limerick uh, footballer, Writing in this column in the post this week with us saying, saying that there's no question there's progress being made And that's a huge step from latter. And uh, over to the odd shaped ball The oval shaped uh, ball, yeah AIL first up um, Or will we go Six Nations? It's up to yourself, we we'll go Six we'll go, Nations we we'll go Six Nations Ireland struggled to another defeat Against Italy in the Six Nations Or not another defeat Sounds like a defeat <laughs> A great victory for Ireland A bonus point win They're remarkably given their performances so far in this campaign has them back in the championship, one point off England and second, three off Wales, who now look to be heading for a grand slam. The cider with Ireland in, in later in March. Like so, I mean, it, look, it wasn't good against Italy again. Positives: Peter O'Mahony, no question. Dave Kilcoyne has had to wait a long time for a Six Nations start. Sean Cronin, the same actually, but since his original one, Dave Kilcoyne, you know, he always good with Munster... Never got a fair shake of the things according to people down at Munster with Ireland and Joe Schmidt. He's got his chance this season Jack McGrath's form due to injury and lack of form. kilkine has gone in ahead of him. He's 100% taking his chance. Hugely positive performance from him in both the scrum and ball carrying. Keith Hurd was also looking at Munster purely. Keith Hurd had a super game. Peter O'Mah needed but look it wasn't pretty. There's no point saying otherwise. You know, there, There's something wrong. It's up to Joe Schmidt and his coaching team to fix it before France in what, Sunday week, Saturday week? And uh, over to the AOL. Yeah it's, a in shame for Gary An- Owen. yeah, it's a shame Andrew isn't here to talk about this. Probably why he took the few that, days off. That, that, that could be a, a distinct possibility, <laughs> or maybe it's a coincidence. Yeah, a defeat for Gary Owen in their uh, bitter rivalry with Young Monsters at Greenfields last Friday. Look, it's a huge win for Young Monsters. You know, like 12-10, Gary One was a tight, tough contest, as you'd expect it to be. Four Shane penalties, seeing Monsters home. Um, big win. It could have been a bigger win, in the sense that if Terry Noor hadn't pulled off a huge shock against Lansdowne the following day on Saturday, it keeps five points between them. Monsters were hoping they'd have a bit more of a buffer. Um, it was a very strange weekend, like Carcan losing at home as well to... UCD was a huge shock, you know. They're only their second defeat of the campaign. Problem for Gary o now is Dublin University have overtaken them in fourth, and Gary o have dropped to the fifth. They're on the same points, thirty-seven points. It's um, look, they need to get back to winning ways this weekend, you know. Against Corcon this weekend. This exactly. Weekend. So I mean, that's it, it's an old rivalry as well, Munster rivalry, mm-hmm. and Connell be smarting from their defeat. Gary o will be smarting for their defeat from their defeat to Munster's. Look, that should be a cracker in Dordale on Saturday afternoon. Shannon again. Just briefly, another defeat for them. Three in a row now for Tom Hayes' men. They're dropping down the table. They're not in major trouble yet. But a victory this weekend could really just stop that stop that uh, downward spiral. And now over to the Super Blues. A point on the board. point on the board for Tommy Barrett's men against Langford on Friday. Look, it, it wasn't the greatest spectacle in the world. But a healthy enough crowd. Positive. There was no negatives in the market's field. So why else have we been able to say that? Yeah, it wasn't a great performance. Limerick, It was a very, very um, tricky swirling wind on Friday night. Limerick were play- Longford had the advantage, but Limerick were playing into it in the first half. Died down in the second half. Limerick kept to the basics in the first half against them and defended properly. No messing around. So, you know, they, they couldn't get the ball down and play. Second half, early chance for Carlos Sullivan. If, if they'd nicked that, it's one that Carr should have probably done better with. Um, He'd probably admit that himself. Big chance if they'd got that it would have been a great start to the season a 1-0 victory But positives Big crowd there 814 You know okay, it's not a huge huge crowd But look it's a positive And you have to look look at every positive you can with Limerick FC at the moment um, Tough trip up to Bray now this weekend Team they came up against last year really. Team they beat Every time they come up against them last year But you have a different Bray team this year yeah. And they they seem to have had a bit of investment. The likes of Paul Keegan, who was very good with Waterford. Um, you know, the, one player as well who left Limerick to go to them is Killian Cantwell. Cillian Cantwell was arguably Limerick's best player last season. You know, so he'd slotted him brilliantly at centre-half. So there will be that. They, they've definitely strengthened where Limerick have become weaker. But the one thing I'll say about it, it was great to see so many, there was five or six local lads starting in that team. You know, you'd like to Shane Tracy, Stolberts. You could argue Robbie Williams and Sean Kelly are locals now anyway. Like, but you Jason Hughes, you know, you'd you'd Carlos Sullivan, local lads, and Sean McSweeney back from junior soccer as well. Jason Hughes the same. You know, that's that's positive, and and most of the team is from around the surrounding areas of Munster as well. Which Brilliant. look for me, that's a big thing. That's something that Tommy's looking to do. He spoke after the game, like. If Limerick do get investment, all well and good. But he said, we need to fix our structures. Mm-hmm. Shouldn't be wasted on transfers. Shouldn't be wasted on bringing players in. We need to get our structures right. Tommy of course, was a very successful manager of the Limerick Under-19 team before he took over the senior job. And he will want to bring more players through. He had to do it. He had to blood them all very young last season because he would no other options. He would no other players. With the players he did have that did stay after the financial trouble, a lot of them got injured. You know, it's a big weekend. Look... His aim is looking... He, he believes Limerick can push for the playoffs. Top four spot that'll get. That's going to be, if everything goes well, that's where Limerick can hope for.
0: Well, John, it was a pleasure. Thanks,
3: Thanks King. for joining us. Cheers.
0: As always, our sports coverage is brought to you in conjunction with Sporting Limerick, where more sports news can be found beyond the paper over at limerickpost.ie. And again, this week's podcast is brought to you in association with Denny Motors, Dock Road Limerick. Entertainment's editor Eric Fitzgerald Is back with us again And Andrew usually Introduces you With some kind of superlative. So I'll say The electrifying thanks, Eric Pete. Fitzgerald I'll
4: take that uh, I'll take electrifying Good to see you
0: Eric thanks for joining us again We're back with a uh, Post-punk podge And the techno hippies
4: That's it Yeah I suppose At this stage You'll probably think um, He's paying me to do this But um, yeah We're talking about him again uh, But you know He is uh, he's, he's a brilliant act And he um, Has a new EP Coming out so I mean he's he's highly creative guy and he tells it like it is and once he reads something in the news and it pisses him off, he writes a song about it and he's all about that, that um, he he wants to take the negative stories that he hears and just turn them into something positive and they're super distinctive. You might see there's a photograph of him in this week's paper. So Post Punk Podge, he wears literally an envelope over his head, a kind of rubber banded style and the entire band hide their identity and um, i had a great chat with him talking about the local scene and he was we've been talking like in the last few weeks about like the the, the, the hip-hop scene and the great tracks that are coming out of that so we're looking at like uh, say real enthusiastic sound engineers video makers all involved in DIYLK, unseen and prescription and these guys are cooperating with these artists like punk Podge and his band. And they're, they're making great music. And they're making great videos at the moment. So, you know, he's, he's something he's someone to watch out for. He's been making music for the last two years. You've, you've probably heard a few bits yeah. of, of...
0: I think we played him here been. on the show, didn't we? We, yeah. we
4: played him and I uh, have a track... Uh, lined up. So like, the so new EP, the name the people name might see of it. it. <laughs> so the name of the the name of the EP is Post Millennium Tension. It's a five track EP they've come out with, and uh, the when I was chatting to him actually a week ago, he was uh, the, so the first single to be lifted off it actually is called Full Time Mad Bastard. So just when I was talking to him a few weeks ago uh, on the phone, he said, right, they were just about to go out and make the video. And I said, well, what, 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 what's the video going to be like, Podge? And he was like, right, the, I'm going to get into the back of a transit van, have it driven around by one of my bandmates. I'm going to be sitting on an office chair, wheels on it, the whole lot, and we're going to film the song. Now, the video is out. You can see it. We'll put it up on our website. You know, and uh, to say it's vertigo inducing <laughs> doesn't even doesn't even cover it. You know, but uh, and and you can check that out on the on the website. And uh, another track on it is a track called uh, "Stab Cities Burning." Nobody really wants to hear the S word anymore. People cringe when they hear it. But you know, this track by Podge, and we're going to play you a, a little piece of it, uh, it. it as he says himself, it's a very positive song about what's going on in creative arts. He's taking something negative together. and
0: putting a twist on it.
4: Again, yeah, yeah, taking the negative stuff that maybe the, the bad image from the press and that, turning it into a positive and showing how, how positive things are in Limerick now with that the scene that's building. And I'll give him a little plug at the tail end of this and that is that they will be playing in Pharmacia Saturday, April 6th. So it's a bit away. they In the meantime, they're, they're in Camden and touring around the country and playing festivals over the summer. Post-Punk Podge and the Techno Hippies. And we have a it.
0: clip at that track here.
4: Stab City is burning.
0: Here you go.
1: and name on the fire.
0: And on podcast, we like news on new festivals coming up this just came out Monday
4: and uh, yeah that's great news this um, the trip to tip Fiat Classical I mean it was announced last year and I was talking to some of the bands that were involved in it you know before it even happened and they were like they weren't sure how to go they didn't know how the tickets were set but it sold out two nights so the the festival is run by CWB a Limerick based uh, promotions company they're based out of Dublin as well now um yeah so with the great success they had last year bringing just irish bands that you know and love it's a nice lineup
0: it's a fantastic lineup
4: this year isn't it like and they they basically teamed them up with with the um with the the ico and uh the irish chamber orchestra and you know this year i think that they've made it even more interesting because you have this time around substance of pain and therapy they're going to rock it up Imagine what they'd be like with an orchestra behind them, you know And some of the bands that were just so damn good last year Like The Stunning And particularly uh the you call it The Franco Walters That's the one I was going to tell you about Because last year on, of the two shows They came on really early But they were one of the best ones And I think some people might have missed them So they're back in this year And they'll probably have a, a later slot um, Beyond that They have some uh, Thin Lizzy stuff They have Shane McGowan uh, with the ICO as well and Dustin the turkey will be doing uh, the MC <laughs> And down on top of all that, you have Wendy James from Transvision Vamp, who actually Transvision Vamp played the original Phila way, 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 way back here. A
0: good bit of nostalgia trunning there for a all everyone, nostalgia,
4: yeah. and um, the gigs are pretty short and sweet. Like they tend to play about five, six songs, and the orchestra behind it. And I'm damn sure that the pitch will be open from the very start of the gigs this year, because if you remember, a lot of talk about last uh, September's gigs. Uh, the audience was kind of separated and the, 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 the staging was on the pitch. But, um, you know, the, it, it only took him a little while to jump the fence and get them get on the pitch. A bit so more intimate this time it's around. It's going to be totally intimate yeah. this time around, you know. And good news for Joe Clark. Uh, kudos to him. He is one of the main men in CWB and uh, he got an award from Imro, uh, just last night He got outstanding contribution To live music Brilliant So for Joe Who's one of our own So that's great news So that is uh, Tip Classical 20th and 21st of September And tickets are available On their website TipClassical.com.
0: And as well We have a new tune From some more Limerick talents Yeah Dre Still
4: coming along. There's some great tunes coming along all the time, and this is a bit of an exclusive actually because uh, we got this uh, track straight from the mastering engineer, so it's, it isn't ready to go proper. We're going to be the first people to listen. We're hearing it all, and uh, we're getting we're getting the first list, first public airing of it. So, and uh, Ms. Dre is um, it's it's a duo really, I suppose, a Sandra Dre and Andy Mooney, and they've been working together for a couple of years now. Brought out some really tasty. Uh, modern pop songs with a bit of a dance touch to it uh, She's a lovely singer and she happens to be a sister of Damien Dre from Vesta Varro, a band about ten years ago So the story is, this particular track is called Beauty and it was given to Sandra by her brother Damien as a Christmas present last year and now she has recorded the track in Dublin she's been working quite hard with producers in Dublin and this is the first fruits of all that labour so they're going to launch it this Saturday, March 2 and the track is called Beauty.
0: And seeing as we have the exclusive of the, the launch, we, we might just keep that till the end of the show and play it in full. Absolutely, that'd be great. Yeah. Last Friday we were at a gig in Dolan's and I must say it was probably one of the best gigs I've been to in a while. Yeah. The show six 6th birthday with Fontaine's DC.
4: It's quite a credit to John Hennessy and the show that he's able to put on and I don't think there's anything anywhere quite like Dolan's Warehouse when it's lit like that, when there's a Bunch of bands are coming in, they're all young, they've got some great albums out, and Fontaine's DC, I mean, like, they are the buzz band, and um, they proved it, I mean, as a, live, as a live act, the impact of what they were doing on stage, the sound, the lighting on stage and production on stage was amazing, and a lot of that was uh, Limerick guys working with the band, uh, yeah, Boys in the Better Land, To Real Fear, all these songs big, you know, they all just sounded I don't know, they, 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 they were, they did, I felt like I was watching a band on the same level as I was seeing The Strokes the yeah. first time, you know, you were there
0: it, was you nice, there. it was nice to look down at the crowd and see that there was no mobile phones hanging out, people yeah, just was, enjoying the music, and yeah. it's something you haven't seen for a while. I think they were rocking so much, yeah. I think
4: there was, and the songs were short and snappy, you don't have time back, yeah. right, you know, I mean, probably a phone would be knocked out of your hand, but I know you had your camera with you, I which did is indeed. Uh, the and pro that you are, and uh, you got an amazing shot.
0: It's featured on your listings page there and I'm very grateful for that. On the Thanks, listings page
4: and it's an amazing shot. Go, go look at it. Uh, the band while on stage uh, the, the guitarist managed to get on, up on the speaker stack get himself up on top of the bar. Uh, a spectacular moment for everybody that was in there. Uh, it's not an easy thing to do. The guitar was plugged in and he had to walk over the. like I was kind of fearing for him to be honest but he, watching it. But well, you got an amazing shot because you had to be right beside him when and he was he doing it. He kept us
0: cool because he was chatting to some of the people standing up there watching the gig which was a, isn't that an indication and, you know.
4: of how well rehearsed they are they've exactly. touring all yeah. the way across Europe they've been playing they have been a buzz band now for 6-8 months and they're obviously putting the work in you know? and they're heading uh, off on
0: a US tour now I think US right
4: is, right? is next now yeah. and the album is coming out on, in April I think about mid-April or so um, so you know um, get ahead of the posse and if you can order the uh, coloured vinyl version of it I'm sure it'll be a treasure for many years to come so hopefully Dolans will have loads more gigs like that because mm-hmm. that one was absolutely check good. out the
0: listings on Eric's and near Eric's entertainment page and uh, Eric thanks very much for joining us thanks Cian see you again next week best of luck we're here in association with Denny Motors Dock Road Limerick and I'm now joined by Rose Rusher Arts Editor Rose you were at a, a lovely show last night
5: I am Keen, and thanks for leading in with it because uh, there's plenty of light and dark in the Limerick Post pages this week. You'll find out in a minute. This uh, show, Arms in the Man, George Bernard Show, um, Torch Players have thrown everything at it. I have a review up online, limerickpost.ie. Um, look it up, book a ticket. It's running into Saturday the 2nd, and you will laugh and you will rejoice
0: and going from a one theatre show to a musical a sister act
5: yeah 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 it's been a busy week just as soon as Limerick Literary Festival closed with Richard Ford in the presentation of the Kate O'Brien Award to novelist Sue Rainsford good luck to her last sorry Monday night in South Bar. Uh, was the media press launch for Sister Act, which is Limerick Musical Society's, um, it's their spring 2019 show, it's going to run at University Concert Hall, March 21st to 23rd. Huge cast, uh, maybe up to 40, and their chairperson Emma Moore tells me the show is costing skywards of 40,000 euro. Wow. Oh. That's going to be some comedy to go and see.
0: They're going by Brendan Gleeson's photos. The costumes look amazing, don't <laughs> they?
5: Brendan worked his ass out in Souths, mm-hmm. and he took the cast out to, with Mayor James Callens, who officiated out to St. Joseph's Church to further get us in the get thee to a nunnery mode.
0: And then there's a solo recital, An Afternoon Delight with Fingon Collins.
5: Yeah, we have a busy weekend of live performance with music specifically this weekend. Moving from theatre, Fingon Collins is a guest of Friends of University Concert Hall next Sunday, March 3rd at 3pm. Book your ticket at uch.ie. Friends of the Concert Hall. This is one of their... Uh, they're great works in tying in artists and exceptional events under their own organisation. So paying friends of the, the, of the University Concert Hall, they're free into this. The rest of us, we it's going to cost us only 10 or 15 euro.
0: And you mentioned the Literary Festival last weekend. There's another festival coming up this weekend.
5: We the, are. The musical. We're, 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 we're one so of the, the media sponsors, if not yeah. sole media sponsor. This is uh, Limerick Choral Festival. It's been running for years and years, god, maybe two decades. Dr. Michael O'Brien is the overarching father of it now. He's the cantor and organist to St. John's Cathedral himself. Um, Spotlight specifically on this Friday the 1st at St. Mary's Cathedral. A rare and beautiful concert, Path of Miracles, will be sung by Limerick Chamber Choir. Really, it's in verse and harmonies. It, It reflects the road to... Uh, Santiago, Compostela de Santiago, that pilgrimage in northern Spain, and Moira Kirich Scanlon, she directs.
0: And it's a festival that takes on a a number of venues?
5: Oh my God, it's uh, churches throughout the town, and uh, I think 55 participating choirs, all from Ireland. We're looking at the participants are St. Michael's Church in Denmark Street, Church of the Sacred Heart at the Crescent. We're looking at the Redemptorist and, as I said, St. Mary's Cathedral for this Friday, the premier piece.
0: And from one form of arts to another, there's another uh, film.
5: Okay, we have two gritty films. We look at Suicide, uh, make Suicide Watch. They're, they're real-life beat is tracked down by a, a short film, 25 minutes long. This will screen in that museum on Saturday, the March 9th, Kane. It's called It Will Rise With The Moon. It's directed by Leah Morgan. She co-wrote it with Ellen Ryan, producer, and with Sean McNamara. And as she tells us, it's an intimate portrait that follows six volunteers as they work relentlessly, patrolling Limerick's bridges and rivers, saving hundreds of people's lives.
0: And that's one that we're hoping to have the Limerick Suicide Watch come in and chat. Was on a podcast about this week as well.
5: Fantastic, oh, yeah. fantastic. Okay, great, great, great. March the ninth. Uh, I'll say it again. A Limerick Company Museum between six and eight pm, and the Limerick band Broken Cord will perform. Okay, another gritty arts piece. Have mm. we time, Keith? Yeah, go ahead. Okay, um, I have a long-standing history with Adaptals. I used to be on the board. Uh, used to be secretary. Now I'm pensions trustee. It's an occasion of joy for me. I, I like doing that gig with them. It's very hands off compared to being on the board. Um, this time I got down and dirty with survivors of domestic abuse who have gone through or who are undertaking ADAPT's Road to Recovery program. Um, they work with a professional dramaturg and writer. Her name is Karen Fitzgibbon. She's a great piece of gear. I know for a long time from Chasbrol Theatre Group and other stories around town. She suggested to them, as part of their program for recovery, they get into the art form of film. So there are six core survivors, two of whom came in to talk to us, Fiona Mills and an unnamed film maker, um, and they are central to the writing the costuming, the making. Karen Fitzgibbon is director and they are working with South Hill Community Drama Group. They've called the piece free. It's going to screen on a 24-hour loop as of Monday March the 4th right into March the 15th and there is a specific night built around it, kin in the hub at Limerick uh, city gallery of art in perry square that begins at 6pm on thursday march the 7th think about it it's the evening before international women's day which is friday march the 8th so from 6pm onwards there's going to be a screening of the seven minute short made in limerick it originated in limerick
0: and it's a silent film isn't
5: it? it's a silent film can i quote you something from mm-hmm. Fiona Mills? she's a principal mm-hmm. actress in it those tears on screen, when you see her eyes bruised and she slides down the wall, those tears are real. They are mine. You see no violence. It was very important to us not to show the violence. And Fiona and her filmmaker with her we'll call her Anne, they came in to talk to, to me and to you, I think. Um Kian, she makes the point that it's the Thursday seventh evening, it's very much an evening for men. And for women that's page 18 out tomorrow thursday
0: and some very powerful stuff there and some great work they're doing as well and uh rose in your city and soul section this week
5: yeah can we revisit it again uh it's all about bringing the reader closer to our institutions and their leaders what goes on this week's focus is limerick civic trust Uh, There were some real surprises for me in this, and I'm a Limerick woman, okay, I left for almost a decade, but I came back. Limerick Civic Trust was well profiled, it had, uh, ooh, it was gathering traction all the time then. It was set up as recently as 1983 by Dennis Leonard, Paddy Hoare, Seamus Gubbins and others. Today's Chief Executive Officer is David O'Brien. He's a really robust, lively friendly, hardworking bit of gear. He leads um, a workforce of 75 people, 69 are on a community employment scheme. And they, they have sort of silent fingers working throughout Limerick. Uh, we covered 10 different current areas in which they're busy. They range from the canal banks, the river banks, our bridges. They power hose and clean out a street every single week. They're very busy with festivals such as St. Patrick's Festival with Open House, Architectural Weekend and Heritage Festival. Um, Their very big project currently is the makeover of, what was it, Munchens Church in Kings Island that's now being repurposed to open next year as Limerick um, Military History Museum. That's the working title. I'm sure it'll be the ultimate title. The other really shocking thing to me was Limerick Civic Trust is not funded by state or council or lottery or unused bank accounts. It is entirely sponsored and operable thanks to the donations of its contributing members, of its full-time members, and any bit of sponsorship or donation it can get, you can make online limerickcivictrust.ie make-a-donation. hyphen hyphen and Keen, I think you had a chance to speak to David O'Brien yourself. Yep. Can, can I listen please into this interview, I haven't heard yet, yep. that you took in Bishop's Palace?
0: We spoke to David O'Brien about the project that they're undertaking at the moment and the funding issues and David had this to tell us.
5: The third opening date, without being joking, is last year but now it looks more like next year. Um, we're dependent on funding, we've made our applications, we've constantly got a, a funding rounds going on and we ask the public to contribute and others. But essentially, it's down to money, and we don't need a huge amount, but it's still considerable for us the amount of money we have to spend on it.
0: That sounds like a very interesting profile, Rose. And Andrew also has a profile this week with Cathy O'Halloran. And, Rose, you have some news on some speakers coming up.
5: Thanks, Keen. If we 30 seconds to tell you, last minute um, email came in from Joseph O'Connor, the writer. He heads up the Frank Court Chair at Creative Writing in UL. Just to tip the, the listener off on extraordinary speakers coming to you well uh, to speak in the um, millstream common room all events are free thursday march 7th sebastian barry uh march 27th the guest vocal series uh, bring in jan kelly and aaron farinoff reading and discussing their poetry with dr martin dyer and another enormous name we have kit de speaking on april the third and she'll be introduced by donald ryan
0: thanks very much for joining us rose this has been the last post. I've been your host, Keen Reinhardt, and I would like to thank Barry English, John Keogh, Jerry Collison, Eric Fitzgerald, and Rose Rush for joining me today. Thank you, Keen. No problem. This week's sponsors for the last post are Denny Motors, Dock Road, Limerick. For more news, sport, entertainments, home and living, pet news, and much, much more, make sure you turn to the Limerick Post every Thursday in print and online at limerickpost.ie and through all our social media channels. We really are keeping Limerick posted.